Hey, podcast listeners, hope you're doing well, and I hope you are winning contracts. Before we get into today's episode, I want to take a minute to share something with you that's working for our clients. Our federal access knowledge base is helping companies win contracts every single day. I regularly get emails from members thanking us and saying things like, hey, I just won a $2 million contract. Many of you have seen a video that Chris Danback shot for us at GovCon. Chris won two contracts totaling $30 million. One of our members emailed me this morning and said, the turning point that opened my eyes was using federal access to establish a professional and systematic business development and RFP process. I've now won two contracts worth $480,000. Federal access is helping a lot of companies win. It can help you too. So here's the deal. I have a special offer for you. Visit federal-access.com forward slash game changers today and get started for just $29. You're going to get access Access to a digital copy of the government sales manual, over 70 strategy videos, more than 30 webinars, 300 documents and templates, and one of my favorite pieces is SME support. So when you run into any issue, any challenge at all, you can email me directly for help. So go check out the special offer today at federal-access.com forward slash game changers. The link is in the description below the podcast. So go check that out today, federal-access.com forward slash game changers so you can get started for just $29 today. Now let's hop into this episode. Welcome to Game Changers for Government Contractors. Game Changers is dedicated to helping you position for and win more government contracts. And now your hosts, Josh and Mike. Hey everybody, Mike Lejeune here with Game Changers for Government Contractors. And today we have one of our coaches, Barbara, on the line here with us today. She's going to be talking a little bit about her history in building a company and selling it. And I'm sure we'll talk a little bit about those those companies that are in that next stage where they're looking to uh, to grow and, and those sort of things. But before we get going, Barbara, why don't you tell everybody a little bit about who you are and what you do? All right, great. Good morning, Mike. Really a pleasure to be here. Um, uh, Barb Stankowski with Stankowski Advanced Strategies. For 12 years, I was the founder, owner, and CEO of Amptis Inc., which in 2018 I sold and ran that company for 12 years and grew it from nothing to about 30 million and 300 employees at the time of sale. It was an interesting journey, and uh, we can talk a little bit about, more about that today, Mike. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think you, you've kind of lived through what a lot of folks really like that's their destination for a lot of folks that start a company in government space is, hey, let's build this thing. Let's eventually sell it. And I think there's so many lessons learned from your journey that I'm really looking forward to you telling us a little bit more about how you went about it, because you said you're on this 12 year journey. And even there, at some point, you're running the company, you're growing the company and boom, one day you decide, you know what, we're going to sell this thing. When and why did you decide to sell? Well, when I started the company at 58, right? And Covey always said, you know, begin with the end in mind. I was yes. clueless about, I was desperate to just stay alive and keep the company afloat and really was not thinking about the end game. And then finally, in um, 2016, my CFO, who was uh, older than me, we were talking about retiring, uh, talking about we were facing graduation from the 8A program. What were we going to do? And we brought in a consultant, uh, someone who I had met at a conference that I, I was really impressed with. And she spent an afternoon 
afternoon with us and talking about options, looking at the economy, looking at the financials of the company, talking about the 8 day graduation. And she looked at us and she said, why aren't you selling? It wasn't even on your radar. No, it, it was not a conscious thought. But that meeting, that conversation forced us to move forward. And it took us from that point about 28 months to sell the mm. company. We spent time then from, from that meeting in August of 2016 till December of 2016, deciding, okay, how do you sell a company? Mm. Who do you use? What kind of help do you need? And making those kinds of decisions. Those are just some of the questions I know that we're going to hit on a little bit today. But when somebody thinks about selling a company, it's not like you just put it on eBay or Amazon or, or whatever. And you know, there, there, I mean, there are websites that do that, but it's not as easy as that or putting a for sale sign in the yard. There's a lot more that goes into it. And then when you layer on the government contracting piece and you know, your statuses, you know, you had, you know, the 8A, you had the WSB, you had SDVOSB, you have all these things that layer on the complexity to it. And so it just makes it a very different animal than selling, you know, a normal business. So what kind of things made your company attractive for a buyer? But I think the biggest thing is we really worked at building a solid infrastructure. Um, mm-hmm. And we did work, both Linda and I, at my, who was my CFO from the beginning, not an owner or a shareholder, but a significant player, uh, building a company where it was not dependent on the two of us for it to operate. Um, thinking about someone wanting to buy the company and you're going to step away, the company needs to be somewhat self-sufficient and right. operate and have procedures in place. So we did things like we had ISO 2001, uh, 2015. We had CMMI services level two certifications. We had a top secret clearance. We had GSA schedules. We had IT70, MOBIS, STARS. We had a DCAA approved accounting system. We had moved from QuickBooks through one of the uh, Dell Tech programs and finally to cost point when they stopped uh, supporting the small business accounting system. Uh, we had a solid infrastructure. We had IT. We had HR. We had recruiting. We had accounting and finance, proposal manager, contract manager, certified PMPs. That was one of our programs with our team was to pay for and encourage certifications. We had a big backlog. We had a reputation and great CPARs. And then we were involved in order to manage NACE code growth with a SBA approved mentor protege and several joint ventures. So when you started there, one of the things that jumped out to me was the list of things that you put in place to remove yourself from the business so it wasn't dependent on you. And that's the thing that I find for a lot of business owners. It really is dependent on them. I had somebody call me just the other day and say, I got to get out of this thing because I, the owner, am working 80 hour weeks. My team are working 20 hour days. We can't keep doing this. And for me, I was like, well, if you have this much profit in the business, why don't we hire some other people? Why don't we make some, why don't we put some systems in place? And I think that's where people don't think about first, because why would I buy that train wreck if I would have to come in and work 80 hours a week and my people would work 20? Like, we don't want to buy that just because you're making a lot of money. That's, that's not a good thing. It's fascinating to see all these things because they're all little projects within themselves. So tell me a little bit about like, like the challenges of selling the business. What were some of the negatives or the, or the challenges? of it? Well, I think the biggest thing is is when we made the d- decision to sell, I, I went out and talked to people who have sold their companies. I had talked to some of the M&A lawyers in the Orlando area where we were located. And, you know, the comment was, well, you know, give me a list of companies you think might be interested and we'll put 
put together a letter and we'll send it out. And I thought, I'm an SDVOSB 8A, woman-owned small business. I don't know people really who would want to buy my business. I need a much bigger universe of people who are interested to really find the right buyer. And um, I really had no one within the company that was interested in buying the company. And so I interviewed M&A firms and found an M&A firm that um, impressed me. We were able to negotiate their percentage down significantly, and I thought it was a good deal. But, you know, they they put together a one page. We worked from after making the decision and selecting them in January of uh, 2017, we worked for several months putting together a one page teaser. That one page teaser didn't have the name of the company, but had all, you know, kind of the highlighted uh, specifics about the company. And then we worked with them to put together a kind of a booklet, a 34, 34, 35 page booklet that told the story about the company, Mm -hmm. had the company name, had the the revenue growth and had all this information about the infrastructure and the company that we had built. Um, It was really lovely. And it was something that uh, both uh, my CFO and I agreed we we would never have done a very good job putting Mm -hmm. it together and it would never have looked as awesome. And so then in March, they just published, they published that to their network. Uh, And between March and August of that year, we must have gotten 45 interested parties who signed NDAs to get the detailed booklet. Um, Out of that 45, we probably had phone conversations or visits with 10. And it was was an interesting combination and and rationale. And then by August, we had two letters of interest uh, from companies who wanted to buy us. Very different structures for how they would structure the deal. One, a really interesting, very successful guy uh, running call centers who wanted to get in the government. But I don't think that there was really an understanding of the impact of buying 8A contracts because he was not an 8A, they would go away. And so after some conversation, the other the other company was an 8 was was a relatively new 8A, two guys who had been in the business for a long time working for large companies and they did not want to spend 10 years building an infrastructure. Mm. They wanted to buy an existing infrastructure and run with it. And they were creative in how they were able to, most of the 8As I talked to were limited to the $5 million loan they could get from the SBA to buy. My company was worth to me much more than that. And these guys put together a very interesting package to buy me that was far beyond that. And that's one thing that I think a lot of people are interested in is how was the sale financed? You know, cash, you know, loan, how, right. how does that work? So maybe you can give us some insight on that since you're talking about that. What they put together is they did get a loan for more than the typical $5 million, uh, from the, the SBA. They added more cash to that. So there was cash at closing. And then I had three loans with them that they are they will pay me for the next five years. Well, it was an eight-year loan. They've been paying up for three years. So I've got the, the benefit that one, they really did pay me three years. Right. And uh, they, they have an eight, they have a five more year more commitment and they were structured for different reasons. Um, uh, one was just the SBA requires the buyer to have some kind of skin in the game. And there was a loan to provide that skin in the game for the buyer at about half a million dollars, uh, which is a separate loan that gets paid off once the SBA loan is paid off. Yeah. And then there were two other loans that were the remaining portion of the um, of the sale deal. Um, and, and the one got modified 
right at the time of sale because we were in a government shutdown and because the SBA drugged their heels in me being able to sell the company, um, I lost basically a year in mm. in arguing and debating with the SBA, which impacted the backlog, impacted the length yeah. of the contract, which impacted the sale price slightly so that one loan was readjusted um, at the time of sale. Yeah, I was, I was going to ask from the time that you actually identified the eventual buyer till the time they were able to close on that, how long how long was that process? So we, we signed the LOI in August of 2017 and we sold in December of 2018. We had wanted to sell, we wanted to close the deal in December of 2017, mm. but we were awaiting SBA and that took a very long time. For a time. whole year, yeah, for a whole year. Yeah, yeah, there's a, again, there's a lot of people I talk to and they're like, yeah, I'm ready to sell, let's get this done. And I always say, hold on, this is probably gonna be a year or so with right. everything that has to be done. And then if you are if you are not just selling the company to an individual who's buying ABC company and gonna now run it, if, if you are now selling to a brand, another entity, and you've got to merge all of your business together, then you've got contract novations. There's so many complexities to this that right. it it's not necessarily, hey, we've identified a buyer. They've got financing. They're ready to go. Let's flip the switch. It could still take months and months and months. And in this situation, you know, you have the SBA involved and other different things. So it could really be a, be a headache and, and takes a, quite a bit of time. So since it's taking all of this time, I think you said the whole journey was about 28 months. How do you deal with your team? through that process? Well, my goal was always to be very upfront with them. So they got an update every month about where we were in the process. Um, they met the the buyers. Um, in fact, in 2017 at our Christmas party and training session that we always had, because I would bring people from all around the country into the headquarters and we'd have a, a meeting and go over the financials for the year, the goals for the next year, uh, acknowledge uh, great work from our, our team members who were in and and then um, introduced the team that was interested in buying us. But the first year I introduced them to the larger audience as somebody we were interested in doing business with and joint venturing with. Uh, I wanted them to meet the team and get to know them, but I was not ready for the whole company to know that we were in a sales mode. But my senior leadership was was with us all along the way and constantly knew the update. They had, um, I put in place executive employment agreements so that they would stick around for a year uh, to help in the transition. They made a nice percentage off the sale. Uh, and then my goal was to bonus everybody in the company at the time of sale. Yeah, that, that's a great way to do it. In fact, I've been through a couple of acquisitions. Once was from a big company to another big company. So it was back in the day almost 20 years ago when GTE started breaking up and they sold a piece to General Dynamics and this company and that company. So I went through that transition and then before we were even sold, General Dynamics said, hey, just so you know, your special little divisions going on the chopping block is one of the first things we're going to sell. And so we, you know, we went from being part of a billion dollar organization to now there was about 30 employees that were being sold to another company because we had developed a technology and it was, it was very 
weird for the first two or three years after I got out of the military, I was in this M&A mode and I had no clue what it was or what was going on. And I, our bosses did the same thing. They sat down with us and said, hey, you're a key person. So we're going to give you this agreement here where if you stay on through the sale, you're going to get this chunk of cash. And then that company that was hiring was like, hey, if you stay on, you're going to get this chunk of cash and some stock options and, and different things like that. And, and it was just this weird time. And, you know, we did have the people coming in and interviewing and meeting people and shaking hands. And I remember a lot of people, as soon as they would leave, were like, what was that guy's name? Let's go Google him and find out what company's trying to buy us. And so, <laughs> so there was all of that. There was people buying stock of the other company because they thought we were going to just skyrocket the stock of the other company. And, you know, different. There was all these little things at play during that time because everyone was, in a way, really excited about right. the transition because we were being sold to a company that wanted to grow us and, and focus on our company. And so, yeah, it, it can be a, a very exciting time. So with all of that going on with the staff and all those kind of things, did the new company keep you on board after the sale? Was that part of the deal, that sort of thing? Uh, what was part of the deal was a one-year consulting agreement with them. But truly, you know, I had, I had been in a CEO group for years and every time someone in the group sold their company, you know, they were just climbing the walls after two months yeah. saying, oh my God. And many of them were required to stay for some length of time uh, to do an earnout. I didn't have any earnout requirements, but it was just a contract that they would pay me for my time yeah. uh, in helping them. And after the first four months when I had taken them to meet all the clients and do that kind of changeover, they they held on to Amptis as a as a fully owned subsidiary. So they didn't change the name. There, there's still an Amptis out there that's a subsidiary of the company. But after four months, they were not interested in my input. And, you know, they, they had a very different management style, a very different approach. And it, it kind of bothered me. And then I just had to have a talk with myself that said, you know, yeah. it's their company. It's theirs now. It's their baby. Now. You don't you don't have a dog in this fight anymore, you know, and if they don't want your advice, it's their choice. So move on. <laughs> move on. Do something else with your life. Yeah, that's. That's pretty good advice there. So so given everything you went through, is there anything you would have done different? Any lessons learned that you would share with folks? There was a point going through the process when the SBA was not wanting to approve the sale to a certified 8A, mm. um, that there were discussions about finding another alternative, uh, finding another buyer, uh, doing something different. Because in retrospect, I lost almost a year in that battle with the SBA. But then in retrospect, you know, we sold in December of 2018. It probably would have added another 24 months or another 12 months to the mm. process. I got to, um, you know, timing is everything. So I got to sell. I got to move to Tennessee. I got to spend wonderful time with the love of my life. Um, I lost him in August of uh, 2020. And, you know, had I backed out, I would have still been working 24-7 uh, and wouldn't have had that time mm. with him. So I don't second guess the decision anymore. I think it was the right decision. The right decision, the right timing. It, timing, it, you said it earlier, timing is such an important piece of this whole thing. So any final thoughts or words of wisdom for people that are looking to sell? I, I think the importance is you, you really have to have your financials in order and you have to have an infrastructure that uh, will support a new buyer. Yeah, I've been working with some companies and I'll ask them and, and they and they do everything. And I said, so what is it that you're going to sell if you walk away? What's left? Uh, so I think that, that focusing uh, once you get to the startup, when you're no longer a startup and you're starting to build for longevity and for the long haul, building that infrastructure becomes uh, incredibly important to add to the value of your company. Yeah, ab absolutely. You know, you, you do a lot of work with folks for us 
that are in what we consider the second stage where they are trying to grow and position for a sale and that, and that sort of thing. And what, what are maybe one or two pointers on the front of that process? I know you, you gave some, some lessons learned and things there, but are there one or two pointers on the front of the process that you can give the audience? I, I think the biggest thing is being willing to delegate. You know, I remember the days when I did everything, you know, I, I did the e-verify, I did the interviews, I hired the people, I wrote the proposals. I managed the projects, I did the financials, I did the billing. Every time I hired someone and gave up one of those jobs, I would kind of go back in the office and say, well, darn, what do I do? What's my job now? Hmm. And as that infrastructure grew, understanding that my job as the CEO and the leader of the company was to really focus on the employees. I believe that if I took really great care of them, they would take really great care of my client, uh, my client. And that, um, you know, my job was to be strategic and was to be marketing and to really help the company grow. And but it was a, a, a total change in roles from when when I started to when I sold. Yeah, no, that, no, that, that's that's really good advice. I, th- I think a lot of people have a hard time giving up things. And I think that's why we see a lot of these CEOs and leaders who do everything. They're working 80 hours a week because they have way too many things on their plate and they need to give some of that up. So that that's really good advice. So th- thanks for coming on and talking about this today. I know it's an important topic. And in the five, six years we've been doing this podcast, I don't think we've ever really talked about this. So... Thanks for listening to Game Changers for Government Contractors. For a full list of episodes and other resources, be sure and check us out on the web at www.rsmfederal.com slash gamechangers.